Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. You're listening to the new season of Breakdown, an exclusive podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This season, the McIver murder case. For additional information, photos, videos, and previous seasons of Breakdown, go to ajcbreakdown.com. And follow our Twitter feeds at AJC Breakdown and at AJC Courts. I saw the tweet last week. The breakdown delay curse keeps its streak going, wrote at GKM Law. He's a constitutional lawyer in Buford, Georgia, and an obviously keen, perhaps even brilliant, breakdown listener. Hi, I'm Bill Rankin with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Joining me is my AJC colleague, Craig Schneider. And yes, it's happened again. We're poised for the Tex McIver murder trial to begin, and the judge suddenly postpones the trial. This was like an unpleasant flashback. The same thing happened in Season 2, in the Ross Harris hot car murder trial. At the very last minute, the judge called off jury selection, changed the venue to the Georgia coast, and rescheduled the trial for four months later. And here we are in season five, and the judge has called off the trial practically on its eve and rescheduled it for four months later. In fact, the trial was supposed to have begun the day we uploaded this episode. You nailed it at GKM Law. So now, we wait. But before the long winter sets in, let's step back and look at the state of this murder case, State versus Tex MacGyver who is accused of deliberately shooting his wife in the back, causing her death for her money. Of course, Tex has said all along that the shooting was a terrible accident. So, how did we get to where we didn't want to be, again? Well, let's start out with why the trial delay happened, and then we'll talk about what it means and who it benefits. Two weeks before the trial was to begin on October 30th, the prosecution filed a surprise motion The state wanted more time to review its evidence, and it also expressed a concern that the defense would not have sufficient time to review some 90,000 emails from Diane MacGyver's email accounts. Imagine, Craig, the prosecution coming to the defense of the defense? Of course, it was the prosecution that delivered those emails late in the first place, and it wasn't the first time the state blew a discovery deadline. Still... Lead prosecutor Clint Rucker made it clear during a recent hearing that a postponement makes sense. And quite frankly, it does. Uh, They're very experienced trial lawyers on this side of the room. They're very experienced trial lawyers on this side of the room. And uh, no one wants to go uh, into trial unprepared. And so certainly, if there were a way that both could be accomplished, um, you know, we would be in favor of that. Tex McIver's lawyer, William Hill, left little doubt about what he thought of the prosecutor's help. And I read the motion, and this is basically what it is. Judge, 
We know we dumped 90,000 emails on the defense at the 11th hour. We know we identified 101 new witnesses just before the call of the gate. And we don't want the defense to be guilty of ineffective assistance of counsel. So even though they won't ask for one, we're going to file a motion for a continuance on behalf of Mr. MacGyver so we can help protect his lawyers. What am I supposed to do with that? And which is why I didn't file a response. It is so transparently disingenuous and it is so blatantly gamesmanship that there is no intelligent response that I can make to that on behalf of my client. It actually speaks for itself. Hill appears to be right on one point. It's about discovery. Discovery is the legal practice whereby each side shows the other side what it has before the trial. Judge Robert McBurney had set a July 7th discovery deadline. But it appeared the prosecution was treating its discovery deadlines in the same way that crazy Atlanta drivers approach red lights, as if they're aspirational, not mandatory. They failed to turn over transcripts of grand jury testimony in time. They also missed the deadline for recordings of various phone calls. And, of course, the 90,000 Diane McIver emails. You know, Bill, both sides acknowledge they need more time. On the prosecution side, there are 30 boxes of documents, which the DA's investigators seized from McIver's condo and Diane's storage unit. Those boxes could be really important, and they are probably the real reason behind the motion for the trial delay. They say they haven't had time to review what's in them. You know, shortly after the banker's boxes came into the state's possession, the defense filed a motion to suppress whatever was in them. Judge McBurney ordered them sequestered or stored where neither side could see them because Tex MacGyver is a lawyer. There was concern that many of the boxes contained records of Tex's dealings with his legal clients, in other words, protected under client-attorney privilege. The prosecution thinks its case may lie within those boxes, They contain business and personal papers that belong to Diane that, quote, may well contain evidence central to the state's theory of the case, unquote. More specifically, they may also include an updated will and testament from Diane, quote, which the state anticipates will establish a motive for murder, unquote. Wait a minute. Seriously? The prosecution needed more time to prepare, sure. What it didn't say, though is something more fundamental. As in, hey, we're still trying to lock down this motive thing. Here's Ashley Merchant, a criminal defense attorney in Marietta and a frequent commentator on Breakdown. The state's motion, (laughs) and I laugh because it was the state's motion to continue because they wanted to prevent the defense from being ineffective. I mean, as a defense attorney, it's almost offensive. It's like, thank you for doing my job, protecting my client, the same client you're trying to put in prison for the rest of his life. In this case, I think that what the state was doing was looking for another argument to, to help their continuance argument. They didn't have all the information when they indicted this case. So they indicted a motive case without a motive, without proof of motive. And then after the fact, after the indictment, they've gone and searched for motive. And they're still searching for motive. And they're not ready. Merchant is troubled by the DA's apparent search for motive after bringing formal charges of murder against MacIver. So the state should be doing all of their investigation 
before the case is indicted. But what we've got here is we've got months after this case was indicted. I mean, months after this. We've got the state still combing through evidence, trying to prove malice, trying to prove the motive in this case. And they're doing it a little bit too late. I mean, they should have done this before they indicted it. Motive is a major, major issue here. If someone kills on purpose, there must be a reason. Here's defense attorney Esther Panich, also a frequent breakdown commentator, on how important that reason will be to the prosecution in the MacGyver case. I believe a jury is really going to need to have a story which explains and is supported by the fact why Tex MacGyver wanted his wife either harmed or dead. And if they can't produce that and all they have are inconsistencies, it is going to be difficult for a juror to come back and say, I'm going to find this man guilty of premeditated malice murder. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. One more thing, and this is crucial. Judge McBurney's ruling cleared the way for Tex to get out on bond until the new trial date, March 5th. This is a bit of a risk. You'll remember the last time Tex was let out on bond. Investigators found a gun in his sock drawer, a clear violation of the terms of his bond. Judge McBurney revoked the bond and put Tex back in jail in April. And he's been stewing there ever since. In an order on October 18th, McBurney said Tex could get out once again. But this time, the judge wasn't taking any chances. He wrote, and I quote, Defendant shall have no firearms, loaded or unloaded, in his residence. This includes all sock drawers, unquote. Don't you love it when a judge cracks a joke? Absolutely. In addition to declaring gun-free sock drawer zones, The judge also placed Tex under house arrest and ordered him to wear an ankle monitor. The bond is important to Tex. If he can post bond, and we understand that Tex has already spent a small fortune on his defense, it permits him four months of relative freedom while he awaits trial. Judge McBurney set the bond at $750,000, meaning Tex has to post 10% of that, $75,000, to get out. It could be the last time in his life that he'll be free. MacGyver is 74, and a conviction for murder would mean that he'll die in prison. So if he gets out pending trial, that means no more looking at visitors through bulletproof glass, no more that jail food, no more blue inmate clothing, no surly roommates, and better medical care. On the other hand, Tex hasn't made the best decisions during this entire affair. You have to wonder what he might get up to if he's out again. As we've noted before, MacGyver has been his own worst enemy. This time, you're not likely to see auctions of Diane's stuff, guns popping up in sock drawers, contradictory statements made to the media, or ill-advised calls to witnesses. In a bit of pre-damage control, his attorneys have already told us Tex will not be available for interviews. That's what we're expecting not to happen. But what will happen? 
And who will benefit from the delay in the case? The prosecution or the defense? Truth be told, nothing's good for me. That's lead defense attorney William Hill again. Tex gets out, but Tex gets out with the sword of Damocles hanging over his head until March. So for my client, the person trying to live through this, and then we talk about, and people have, they underestimate the importance of peace of mind and finality to issues that are robbing you of your peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So is there anything good for my client in this? No. The getting out, does that work to his benefit? Yes. Maybe I can get him some counseling. Uh, I can get him some, some nights where he can actually rest. Uh, maybe I can help him recover his health, get him to see a doctor about his skin condition. But in regard of what's good for him, it works better for the state because the state can now do all those things it hadn't done. It can better prepare itself. Hill concedes that the delay is not all bad for his side. They'll have more time to go through all those emails looking for warm exchanges between Tex and Diane. And public opinion towards Tex may soften over the months if he behaves himself. District Attorney Paul Howard broke his long silence on the MacIver case by issuing a statement recently. Howard has been the DA of Fulton County for 20 years, the first African-American to be elected a district attorney in Georgia. Howard says there's a reason those emails were delayed, and there's a reason his team hasn't had a chance to review the 30 boxes. The boxes were seized in mid-April. Howard's statement says the boxes were sequestered by the judge on April 17th, and an independent team, it's known as a taint team, has to go through them to remove any material covered under attorney-client privilege. As for the emails, D.A. Howard said his team received the emails in an unreadable format. They had to buy software to convert the material to readable form. And as soon as that happened, he said they were turned over to the defense. But it's clear if the D.A.'s office had processed the banker's boxes and the emails before the indictment, all this would have never happened. So now comes the winter of our discontent. But we'll be back with the MacGyver murder case just before the trial starts in March. Of course, in the meantime, MacGyver might enter a plea, and that would be that. If he does, we'll be back too. Otherwise, you'll hear from us again in late February. We can just about guarantee that things will have changed in the MacGyver case by then. So we'll have a lot to tell you about what has developed and how it will affect the prosecution and defense strategies. In the meantime... Stay warm, and thanks so very much for listening to Breakdown. By the way, we do journalism like this every day at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and we welcome your support. To subscribe to the AJC, please go to myajc.com slash subscribe. We're also launching a Breakdown Podcast Facebook group. Join us for conversations about the McIver case or any other season of Breakdown. If you have a question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Breakdown was reported and narrated by Bill Rankin and Craig Schneider. Produced by Richard Halix. Sound design by Chris Basta of Bare Knuckles Creative in Atlanta. Original music for Breakdown was composed and performed by Chris Basta, Bo Emerson, and Billy Guin. Special thanks to Kevin Riley, Burt Roten, Monica Richardson, Chris Joyner, and all the fine folks at the AJC. To the crew at Bare Knuckles Creative, Chris Basta and Chris Nicholson, a.k.a. C1 and C2, and Buddy Hall. And to our good friends Drew Quideris at WSB-TV and Veronica Waters at WSB-Radio. Hello, 
This is a collect call from Tex McIver, an inmate at Fulton County Jail. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, oh, oh.